Hey everyone, it's Johanna with Promo Kitchen, and I'm with fellow chef Danny Rosen of Promo Kitchen as well and Brand Fuel. And today is April 21st, and we are coming to you with a really special guest who's going to help us all, or most of us in the industry, whether you're a parent or a grandparent or have children in your lives in some capacity. Angie Shockley is going to talk to us today about parenting in the pandemic. Angie has experience with over 25 years working with children and family of all sizes and all ages, and we are really excited to have her. So before we get started at all, I just want to say thank you for taking the time during this crazy, crazy, crazy months, weeks that we're navigating. Thank you, Angie. Sure. Absolutely. My pleasure to be here. So we're going to jump right in. Angie, a lot of us are working from home for the first time while kids are also at home. This takes the age-old work-family conflict to a whole new level. Add in engaging in some level of school for kids, and then parents become teachers while also doing their own work and also trying to maintain the house. What has this done to family dynamics, and how can we make it work for everyone? Well, I think that the first thing that has to happen is we have to throw away the ideas and expectations that we have around work and family life. And what we thought it was, that dynamic is different. And the should is gone. So we kind of have to start over. We have to start like, where are we? What's the reality that we're in? What is this COVID-19 quarantine reality that we have right now? And how do we get through it? And then also, how is it going to change us, you know, as we go through this? It definitely is going to change, I think, our whole world and how we function And, you know, when this all started, this COVID-19 started, it was scary. It's still scary on a lot of levels, but I think it was really scary for parents because you're afraid for your children. You're afraid for your parents. You're afraid for your family in general. And so when this all started, I think what it did is it really pulled us into this place of being incredibly present in our lives. And that's not someplace we typically live. We became very present and here's where we are right now. And We need to take care of our kids and our kids are now out of school. So we're going to take care of our kids. We're going to make sure we can get groceries in some way, make sure we have enough toilet paper in the house. You know, these things that came up that it was really just fear-based. So we went right into, boom, what do we have to do to survive? And, you know, as humans, that's how we have made it for as many (laughs) years as we have on this planet is because we know how to survive. So our brains kind of went into survival. What are we going to do? Okay, here we are. We're in this present. We've got to make this happen. And we're going to do it because we can. And then it became our reality. And I think that's where the problems really kind of came in. Like it was an adventure for a while. Like the first couple of weeks was an adventure. So I'm home with my kids. My kids are out of school. And it was almost like a little mini vacation with this underlying adventurous fear of this unknown thing that we didn't know what it was going to be. And I really don't think that most people assumed that this was going to be months and months and months. I think really a lot of folks, the folks that I work with, thought they were stepping into something that was going to be a couple of weeks and then this was going to be different. We'll go back to what life was. And that's not what has happened. So it's one of those things that we've had to sort of find our way through regardless of where we come from in the world or what our family dynamic is or what age group of kids we have in our homes or what challenges or disabilities we may be dealing with. There are all those different levels. And so everybody's kind of finding their way through a little bit at a time. Yeah, those are really good points and a good way to sort of level set what we're all dealing with. And this may be 
advice that's a little bit too late in the game, but I remember having gone through this with what we went through in 2008, 9, 10, it, it felt like it lasted forever. I chose to sit my family down and have a, what I call a normalizing conversation with them around what's happening and what could possibly happen. So we talked, it was a hardcore dinner conversation. It was about potential job loss, income loss. We talked a little bit about isolation. We talked about possible death and people that we know, grandparents, and the loss that might happen and the change that would occur. I think I freaked my kids out a little bit and then they started to see what was happening. So I think that helped them a bit. I didn't realize the fridge would be open 47 more times a day, but you know, <laughs> there are things like that, but it helped level set. But I think there's this idea that we are all managing so much stress and anxiety right now as parents and kids are dealing with it in their way. And we're sort of expected as parents to manage through our own stress and their stress, which is really hard. And so I wanted you to talk to us a little bit about tips. Before we do, I was thinking about, you know, some things we're doing here in the Rosen Ranch. You know, we're, you know, at least trying, trying to do what my mother always said, do all things with love, which is, I'm not saying I'm great at it and grace, but like, even when you're angry, you can still do it with love. And I think that is important. And then just big props to my wife, Nicole, who has got, you know, our kids and me as well, thinking about body, mind, and spirit, which I think has helped us manage the stress a little bit more, you know, body, mind, and spirit and what that looks like on a daily basis. But Angie, what tips do you have for us around stress and dealing with the anxiety? Well, yeah, you said the Rosen Ranch and I actually live on a farm. And so wow. nature connection is huge. So if you're doing something with outside that you go, that's awesome. And I think that's really great. The mind, body, spirit, and doing everything with love and grace. What wonderful place to come from. What a great basis. You know, when I think about the folks that I'm talking to and working with in this new reality that we have and the challenges that they are really talking to me about, I just want to hit on a couple of those before I go to the tips, because I think it'll kind of relate a little bit better. So being in the same house all day with kids, parents, pets, <laughs> sometimes grandparents, because I'm working with families that their parents, grandparents have quarantined with them because they have needs. And so they didn't want to not be with their parents. And so you have multi-generations and then you have young adults who have been in college or, you know, towards the end of college who have moved home because they don't really have any place to be right now. And so you've got these various generations with various needs in a home. And that is a huge challenge working from home is a huge challenge for a lot of people. I am not the most tech savvy person in the world. And I wish I had stock in Zoom because <laughs> I spend a big portion of my day in Zoom right now. And for a lot of people, it is difficult to understand the different online platforms. So not only are we working from home, but we're working through a whole different connectivity level that's on a screen. And that is challenging for a lot of people. And then it's like, oh my gosh, do I look okay for my meeting today? You know, you see all these funny memes of people who get up and they have on their underwear or whatever, but that really does happen. And that's, you know, oh my gosh, does so-and-so look better than I look? So there's that whole other level of stress you don't even think about from working from home. And then school, we've got to make sure our kids are doing school, you know, and from what I can tell, I think the schools are doing a phenomenal job overall with providing schoolwork for the kids and switching to online platforms and being really creative in how they're getting things out. I know some teachers are even using social media to do projects with kids, which I think is great. That's wonderful. It says a lot about our education system. 
but it's hard on parents who are trying to make their kids do it. The straight A student who's going off to college in a year and is excited about having a 4.0 GPA, well, that student is doing work. But the guy down the road who's got the kid who learns better hands-on and probably has some ADHD, and he can't sit still for more than 30 minutes anyway, and here he sits in front of a screen trying to do science. You know, that's a challenge. So how's that parent managing through? So, you know, the different levels of challenges that they're facing right now, they're multi. And so when I think about the tips, the things that I think overall are very good ideas for parents and families that are stuck at home right now. Number one, like I said, to start with, you've got to throw out the idea of what this should be. I have a really good friend of mine who says, don't should all over yourself. (laughs) And it's great advice, you know, whether we're in a pandemic or not. But should, who knows what should be during this time. So you have to throw out any preconceived notions or ideas of what should be. You got to start there. I think that one of the most important things for families is to understand how important a schedule and a routine is. Getting into a daily schedule, a daily routine is incredibly important because if you don't know what you're doing from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, then the level of stress is increased exponentially. Having a realistic expectation of what your week is going to be like is a great place to start. So developing that schedule and that routine is really important. A good place to start is with a master plan. So, you know, when we get into crisis, when our brains get into crisis, we get blinders on. We're like the horse going down the street with the blinders on and all we can see is right in front of us. And you do that so the horse doesn't get distracted by everything around. But when we get into crisis, we tend to hone in on, ta-da, what's right in front of us? What's causing the problem? If we were cavemen, we were honing in on that tiger that was chasing us so that we knew what we needed to do to survive. And so that brain process works the same for us now. So we're in crisis, we're in our homes, we have all of these things going on and we have these blinders on. When you have the blinder on and all you're looking at is the problem right in front of you, whether it's your fridge got open 47 times and oh my goodness, we need groceries again. Or, you know, my kid will not do his schoolwork and I've got a Zoom call in five minutes and how do I get this done? And so feel that crisis. You can just, you can feel the energy just kind of become anxious just by talking about it. So we zero in on what we have to take care of to survive. In order to create a schedule, you have to take those blinders off. You have to kind of sit back, take a breath and go, okay, what's the big picture here? Who needs what and when do they need it? And you include yourself in that. And, you know, whether it's mom or dad in the home or whoever it is that's stepping in to create the schedule, you got to include yourself in the schedule. That's an important thing. A lot of times, whoever's managing the family includes everybody else, but they don't put themselves on the schedule. So you got to include yourself, but you take that minute and go, okay, this is it. This is what I've got. You can't solve a problem if you don't see the problem. So you got to step back, get perspective and go, okay, what's the master plan? Who needs what and when do they need it? You start there and then you drill down to, okay, this is what's manageable. Now go back to what I said first, throw out the should, throw out your perception of what everything should be and know that it's going to be different than that. You're also not the only person doing this. So your employer is looking at things from a different perspective. Your employees are looking at things from a different perspective. The board that you serve on is looking at things from a different perspective. So taking those blinders off and understanding that I'm not going to be able to do things the way I did them before, I'm going to have to do things differently now. So you've got this big picture perspective, who needs what and when do they need it? And how do I set that into my day? Some things may get 
dropped off or move to a different time, that's okay. Like I said, everybody's doing something different right now. So developing that routine and that schedule, drilling that down, that's really important. I think it's also really important to understand that so many of the things that we're doing as parents, I'm a parent too, I have a high school junior at home right now, but we can combine a lot of things. So if you have younger kids in the home, and I have a lot of folks that I'm working with doing that right now, and they have a science project, they have to do so much exercise a day to meet their physical education requirement, and they've got to write a poem for creative writing or their English class, right? And you (laughs) need to go outside and take a walk. Okay, go outside and take a walk. Take the kids with you. Do your English assignment after you take the walk. Have them pay attention to what they're seeing so they can write a poem about what they saw in their walk. They're getting exercise for PE by being on the walk and they're counting the different types of animals that they see or the different plants that they see and that can be their science project. So you can combine so many activities into one thing and that's what helps you with that schedule is to know to be creative with things like that. Going outside and taking a walk and covering all those things, it also allows you to throw in some mindfulness and boy, is that important right now. You know, being mindful of where you are and what you're doing and not getting caught up in the hamster wheel of the day. Just really being mindful where you are is so important. It's important to get things accomplished. It's also important for everybody's mental health and emotional well-being. So, you know, when you're on that hike, you can engage all their senses by saying, you know, tell me five things that you saw in the last, whatever, two minutes that we were walking, you know, and then walk a little farther and go, hey, you know, what are three things you heard while we were on this walk? So you're bringing your kids right back into the present moment, into their senses, which is connecting them to their own essential self, to the earth, and it's helping them to be more calm. It's calming their brain down at the same time. So knowing that you can really combine so many of these things is really important to being able to manage everything and keeping your sanity in the process. So that's a good tip that I have. Something else that I'm working with people on is self-care. Self-care is incredibly important. And those of us who are in the caring industry, we preach and preach and preach self-care and we do not take care of ourselves. That is a very common problem. So self-care is important. Put it on the calendar. Put that five minutes that you need to have peace and quiet on the calendar. Everybody knows, you know, if you're someone who likes to take a bubble bath at night, put it on the calendar. Mom's taking a bubble bath from 7 to 7.30. Don't bother her at that time. If you have multi-generations in your house, take advantage of it. Don't underestimate what your kids can do. Don't underestimate your adult children, what they can be responsible for. Don't underestimate the value of having grandparents in the home. So many caretakers, whether it's the mom or the dad, and I know both who do this, Because they do everything all the time, they feel like they're still doing everything when they have all these resources around them to use. You know, even little, little kids can be responsible for their laundry. You can teach kids how to make basic food so that they can do their lunch and their snack in the afternoon or whatever. And you can plan that out. That can be part of their health or their science or their math class to be preparing some foods for themselves. So, you know, enable your kids, enable all of the people who are in your home, enable them to do things, know that they're capable. They're probably more capable than you're giving them credit for. 
And when we empower our kids, it's amazing how that really helps them. We come from a society that we really don't empower our kids a whole lot anymore. We spend a lot of time making sure that they do everything, but we don't expect them to do so much for themselves. And when we empower them and have those expectations and they meet those expectations, it helps them build so much confidence and so much self-esteem and it can help with so many other things. So this is also an opportunity to kind of shift the parenting that we have going on in this world. Stop being rescuers so much. Stop enabling processes so much and really empower our kids to be stronger and more capable in our society. I think that's also a very important one. That's a good one. And before we go on, we should mention that Danny has two girls. Danny, how old are they? I have a 13-year-old and a soon-to-be 16-year-old daughter. Okay. And then I have a daughter that's four. She'll be five in two weeks. And a baby who's 16 months. So very different dynamics. I love a schedule. As a mom of toddlers, they love the schedule. No one gets by any day without it. The baby who's 16 months has gotten confused by everyone home, you know, in good ways and bad ways and, and loves it. But this is the time she chose to drop to one nap and she can't figure it out. So it's caused a really big issue in our family because this is two chunks of time we were giving my daughter one-on-one time for school or whatever it was. And then now we're working on a new schedule to get the old schedule to the new schedule. <laughs> but I feel really bad for my toddler because we can be flexible with the naps right now and do whatever the baby needs. Olivia, the toddler, her days are not consistent where I can try to find some structure. We keep on having family meetings. Talked to her today about how things will even out very soon, but it's been another layer of no schedule, which I love a schedule. I thrive by them, but we'll learn. That's a really good point that you brought up because that was kind of on my list too. Is like, as soon as you get your schedule, know that it's going to get messed up. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I really keep on saying during all this, I cannot complain and I've been trying to be grateful. So one of the phrases I love about parenting is it takes a village. I see it. I live it. I hope to be part of someone else's village. And I think it's a really beautiful sentiment for parents, whether they have help or they don't. And I think we really do just join forces so many times. Children are in sports. There's a lot of financial backing with the sports that parents are putting their time and money to. And they have wonderful coaches that they look up to. Again, the village, they have nannies, they have babysitters that they look forward to seeing. And that village was just poof, taken away. So what do we do when there's no village? Well, it's interesting. And I just jumped in there. Danny, did you have an answer to that before I, <laughs> before I go on? Well, no, I'm just kind of tired of, I think in a way, you know, taking my daughters to harmonica lessons or mountain unicycling. Uh, competitions like that was absurd my wife and I both tag team that she did most of it but in a way all those things that are now no longer things have brought our family together like we're sort of forced to be family and really connect and really kind of get to know each other again which I think there's just some beauty in that that's all I would add yeah well that's beautiful and that's kind of what I'm seeing with most of the people You know, that village is really important and we will get back to the village. And yes, you're going to have to go to mountain unicycling again. (laughs) But I think that what's happened is the universe has given us a pause. The universe has said, okay, let's stop and let's look at what we're doing. And I think what Danny said is happening for a lot of families. 
I had one mom that I was talking with and she said, I feel so bad, but I'm so excited that travel ball is canceled. And, you know, she said, I loved taking my kid. He loves it. And it's been wonderful, but it's so much work and it's so time consuming and I feel bad, but I'm happy that it's canceled. And so lots of families are being forced to spend that time together and begin to know each other in a different way. And I think the kids who are between the ages of like eight and 16, that's really impacting them. Those are the ages where they do really get involved in a lot of those kinds of things, whether you're traveling for cheerleading or some sport or you're part of a chorus that goes around. There's a lot of that kind of stuff that goes on. And right now those things can't happen. And so it's giving everybody a pause. So I'm really happy that I haven't heard anyone like panic because their kid's not attending their chosen sport or activity. I haven't heard anybody say, oh my gosh, he's not going to get a scholarship or oh my gosh, you know, he's going to lose ground in this or she's not going to know how to do that certain activity. Nobody seems to really be panicked about it because everyone knows it's a level playing field everybody is kind of kicked out of what they're doing right now. And so that's been, I think, part of Village. On the other side of this is even though we're all still very much at home, we're still very much a part of that village and we're all struggling with the same things. So that has taken some of the fear away that I was anticipating people were going to have when they couldn't have their kids participate in these things that they're so used to. And I think parents are beginning to understand that even though taking their kids to all these activities, it keeps them busy, it keeps them engaged, it keeps them out of trouble, it keeps all these things going on, but it also keeps mom, dad, and whoever, you know, rolling on that wheel all the time. We've got to go here, we got to go there, we have to divide, we have three kids. So there's a whole different level of stress when you're in the middle of all of that. And so now the village is like, hey, all right, let's be families for a little while. And so I see parents in parent groups talking to each other about, how they're managing their families in this reality. You know, what are you guys doing in the home? Oh, that's a great idea. Let me try that with my kids. You know, whatever activity or craft or whatever. So I see a lot of that happening now. And I think it took a couple of weeks for that to really start to happen. And again, I think that's taking the blinders off. When we didn't feel like we were in so much crisis right in front of us, then we can see, oh, everybody else is having the same struggle. Let me see what everybody else is doing. So I think the village is still there. I just think it's different right now. And I do think we'll get back to a village where we have coaches and mentors and scout leaders and all of those things that are helping us through this process of raising children. I think we'll get back to that, but I do think it's going to look different on the other side of all of this. Yeah. I mean, I don't miss morning madness at all. I don't miss rushing. I don't miss any of that. Putting makeup yeah. on. What's that? <laughs> you don't miss putting makeup on. I, I like putting makeup on. I mean, I'm wearing makeup, Danny. Thanks. <laughs> this is me trying, Danny. <laughs> you look lovely. You really so do. For anyone listening, we are also doing a Zoom so we can be super personal. But anyway. I'm thinking about my wife. She's, she's like, I'm not putting makeup on, I swear. And it's, it's great. She has more time in her day to spend with me. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I don't miss the morning madness at all, but it's funny because, you know, we had a routine of walking to school or driving to school and handing her off to the teacher. Again, it's pre-K, so we sign in, do our goodbyes, but we walk to school every day. So we have a family walk after lunch. It's usually just me or my husband can join. He does. 
we walk to school and she says, you know, we say hi to school. There's chickens outside the school. And it's funny today. I said, I don't miss telling you that you forgot your water bottle in the car. And she laughed, but every day she says, I want to walk by school today. Yeah. That's really cool. You know, in some ways you're keeping some of your routine and especially for younger kids, I think that's really important because it's such a jarring, just like losing a nap. It's a jarring reality when things shift significantly like that. And so keeping that routine, I love it saying hi to school because it allows them when we do have to return to the morning madness of going to school and we forgot the water bottle, it's not going to be such a jarring change for her because she already knows that she's going to school every day still, even if it's a different time. So, you know, keeping as much consistency for little kids, I think is really super important. And on the flip side for teenagers, all bets with screen time off, (laughs) Um, completely off. I looked at my daughter's screen time the other day and I was blown away. I'm embarrassed to say she was at nine and a half hours and I don't know what happened. You know, she had her phone on while she was studying and we just were not parenting well. And so just a couple things on the routines and schedules and maintaining it. I shared this on social. Some people accused us of being really rough in terms of parenting. There weren't enough carrots. There were more sticks. And the issue though is that We've had so many problems with our girls that they need sticks and that's what works, but we still have the carrots and we do recognize them when they do well. But just two points. One is phones up and in our room at 930 on school nights and on weekends at 1030. So for the teenagers, we have a rule. And if they don't have it in on time, then they get docked some time the next day and, and they get in there pretty well. I do find myself chasing them around right around 930 and 1030. And the other thing is on this contract I mentioned, I'm happy to share with anybody, just I think it needs to be mutually agreed upon coming up with some guide rails around what it is that's happening in your home that makes sense. Again, doing it with some grace and some understanding because it's just very different than it was before what we're dealing with. That was a nice sentiment. I actually have seen your contract and I love it. I definitely will implement that in a couple of years for my daughter. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. The contract's a great idea. And I will say, I'm seeing one extreme or the other with screen time. I am seeing some families that screen time has like dropped incredibly and kids are outside and they're playing, they're building forts, they're doing these things that they weren't really doing before. And their screen time has dropped dramatically. And then on the other side of it, the screen time has increased a lot. But some of it is because of school. You know, like my 17-year-old, everything he's doing for school is online. He's got college classes he's taking. Everything is online. We had to find him a computer to use. He has a phone. He never uses a computer other than at school. He's just not one of those kids who's on screen time a lot. So his screen time has really increased. And yes. I do kind of go, okay, you know, is he really doing school all the time or is he not? And checking in on that. And same thing, turning in the phone at night is really important so that they can get good sleep and not be up on whatever, whether it's a game or socials or whatever. Yeah, that's the world at our fingertips. That's (laughs) We could have a whole other podcast just on phones. But yeah, I think the contract's a really great idea. Angie, when we were setting this up, we exchanged emails and you had said something that kind of hit home. You said, We aren't living our lives. Our lives are living us. Talk to us about what that means to you right now. You know, in some ways, I am really grateful for this pause that I kind of mentioned earlier. 
I really do feel like as a society, we don't live our lives, our lives live us. We're not present in our lives. We are running from one thing to another thing. We are constantly concerned that we didn't do something good enough. We're constantly worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, or next year. You know, are we going to have enough? We come from a place of lack and we come from a place of fear. And we worry so much about what happened yesterday or when I saw so-and-so, did I say the right thing? Did I have on the right clothes? And this is true for kids, teens, young adults, adults. It's just true of us as a society. We really are in that place of comparing ourselves and always finding ourselves lacking. You know, most people find themselves lacking when you get right down to it. They're not quite as good or as pretty or as smart or as rich as I need to be. And I think a lot of that is because we are really governed by social media and we are really focused on material things and we get caught up in it. And before we know it, we're like living this lifestyle that's not really what we want. And it's not really what we thought our lives would be, but we don't know how to stop. It's that hamster wheel. We don't know how to get off of it. And all of a sudden, we've had no choice but to get off of it. We've had to stop. We've had to pause. We've had to really think about our lives and how we're going to have dinner seven nights a week. I live in a very remote area in West Virginia, and the closest Walmart is 45 minutes away. And I live in a small town where we have little mom and pop shops, and I buy everything I need there non-COVID-19 reality, if I was going to go to one of the bigger towns to purchase things, I would really think about it and get what I need because I'm not going to make that trip every week. I'm not going to make that trip every other day, you know? So you think about it. And I've lived other places and I choose to live here. And I love the fact that I can walk out my back door and be in thousands of acres of wilderness. So I can get out and do anything I want to do anytime. So I like it here and I make that choice. But it really does make you stop and think. And because everyone has had to stop and think about what they're going to purchase at the store, what kind of exposure are we going to be under if we go to the store? If we do go to the store, we get exposed. Are we bringing it back to our kids or our parents? You know, we have to think about those things. And so we have become more mindful even about fixing food in our house. That refrigerator that's getting open 47 times, <laughs> you have to really think about what's going to be in there. And I've got a 17-year-old boy. He, you know, it's like a vacuum cleaner in the house. He eats everything. So I have to really be mindful about purchasing groceries right now. So our whole world has been really put on pause. And everybody's been forced to kind of stop and take stock of life. And this has been and continues to be really tragic on many levels. We have lost thousands of people in our country and worldwide to this disease, this virus that we really don't know a lot about at this point still. I have a son who's graduating medical school who won't get to walk in his graduation, who is going out into this world, you know, so I think about it and learn about it from a whole different perspective. I'm a scared mom, but I'm also a curious professional who wants his opinion and what is he learning as he's moving out of medical school and into his residency, you know. So this is definitely a time to stop and think about, like you said, Danny, the grace that we need to have in our lives and the love that we need to have in our lives and gratitude. And Joe, you mentioned gratitude. The opposite of hate is not love. The opposite of hate is gratitude. 
And I really believe that gratitude can change our world. If we can really find the things that we're grateful for every day, we can change the way that we see the world and we can change the way that we walk in the world. And so for parents who are stuck with their kids and all of those chaotic, anxiety-inducing things that are happening all the time and they're real and those feelings are valid, one of the best things you can do for self-care is focus on gratitude. What are you grateful for? You know, you said you're grateful to not have that morning rush. You know, I'm really grateful that I get to have these meaningful conversations with a 17-year-old boy who typically wouldn't have a lot of time to talk to me. You know, there are parents who are really grateful that they don't have to go to travel ball, <laughs> that they're not going to, <laughs> to Mountain Unison, <laughs> whatever you said there a while ago, Danny, was great. But, you know, there are parents who are really grateful for the way things are different now. And I think focusing on that gratitude is important, especially when you feel like you're running around with your hair on fire, because that's real too. But just take that second to take a breath and go, okay, what am I grateful for in this moment? And it can shift the way that you see things. And you can come from a place of love and a place of grace if you just focus on that gratitude. And I think that when this is over with, I'm going to be saying that differently. I really hope that as a society, that our lives are not living us. I really hope that we truly start to live our lives, that we really step into the world with a different intention, a different level of intention, and that we begin to understand that there are gifts in everything. No matter how difficult or tragic something is, there is a gift. There is a lesson learned, and there is something that you gain from that. We will all gain something from this experience. And some people are going to gain gifts from really significant loss in their lives and their families. And some people are going to gain gifts from having been stuck in their house and unable to even go outside and take a walk because of where they live. And some people are going to be really grateful and different because they did have to really spend time with a house full of teenagers <laughs> and understand things from their perspective. And when we can identify the gifts of a difficult situation and integrate them into our lives, that's when we really move forward from it. So my hope is that as a society, we can see the gifts. I hope we can still see the Himalayas six months from now. I hope that our level of pollution is down. I hope that we're more mindful about the things that we're purchasing and we're not buying things because our neighbor has it and that we're not taking vacations we can't afford and running up credit card debt that we'll never get out of, that everyone has an opportunity to just kind of breathe and go, you know what? Life's okay. It's okay the way it is. We don't have to buy, buy, buy to be happy. We just need to appreciate, appreciate, appreciate to be happy. Unless, of course, they're buying promotional products, and that's okay. <laughs> exactly, Danny. Yeah. Um, exactly. yeah. Well, yeah, I think what you said, just great perspective and so well said. So thanks for all that. You know, I was just thinking, like, what is the barometer for success in all of this for a lot of us as parents? And I was talking to a friend today, and I said that maybe the barometer for success is getting through this and being not only healthy and not getting COVID and possibly dying and having to go through something tragic like that and couple that with mental health. And then the other side of that success is, you know, it's think about something crazy my youngest daughter did. She took toenail clippers and decided to trim her bangs at the roots because she was bored. I was like, <laughs> if that's the level of success and I'm totally, all bets are off. So it's kind of like simplifying this situation a little bit, but there's a real extreme and 
I think I'm going to look back. We all will. And hopefully like be able to smile a little bit yeah. because, you know, <laughs> my daughter's hair is going to be like that for a while. She's a COVID haircut kid for sure. Obviously I'm a mom, so I take lots of pictures and I know most of us do, but I'm absolutely making a COVID photo album of this like six weeks in quarantine. Because one, we'll say the newspapers and all the big articles, and this is one for the books for sure that our kids will look back on. But I want to look at that and point to the picture and go, you have no idea that day. We were so scared because schools got canceled to end of year, but we went for this walk and you found a rock and painted it and we left it for the neighbors. And I'm actually really looking forward to that. For any parent out there, make a photo album. Shutterfly, I'm sure we'll be offering something, some deal for this that just keep taking those pictures and print them. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So I think, you know, we've covered some of the stuff here and like the learning life skills and, and being more empathetic. And I think stretching dollars and understanding you were talking about consumerism just a minute ago and realizing what I think is around needs and wants, you know, what's more important. And we're starting to realize the needs and the importance of family and community and connection. And so I think you've talked about that. So I'm going to steal your last question, Joe, and ask. Angie, just share in closing the silver linings and all this. Any more that you see? And if you do want to add some things that the future of this, like what does this look like for parenting? What will be the good stuff that comes out of this really difficult time? Yeah, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. You know, obviously I work with young adults. I work with kids and young adults with disabilities. I work with parents of those people and individuals who are struggling. And so I see a lot of different perspectives on this and I can see where so many gifts can come out of this. And one theme of that runs through it is I really do think that we are more appreciative of each other, whether it's in a family or like you said, a community and the connections that we have. I think we're much more appreciative of them and not going to take them for granted. I think that that is going to be a silver lining I think the way that we do business in this world is going to change, and I don't think that's going to be a bad thing. We've learned we can do an awful lot over Zoom. We've learned that we can do an awful lot through an email, whereas we were spending so many millions of dollars probably making useless trips around the country for things that could have been solved without doing that. And so I think companies can allocate resources in different ways. I'm a small business owner, and I operate multiple businesses. I can see how I can allocate resources differently. I've learned that through this process. What I thought had to be doesn't have to be. And I know that when this all started and I went through my fear, went through my process of, oh my gosh, you know, what is this going to look like? And what I was doing was focusing on trying to think through it. What's this going to look like on the other side? And you know, we can't. And when I stopped doing that and I just surrendered to, okay, This is a day at a time. This is a week at a time kind of thing. And things are going to be different, but I can't paint the picture of what that different is going to be. Then I was okay. I didn't feel as much fear around everything. And that was fear on a personal level, fear as a parent, fear as a business owner, fear as a coach, you know, fear in all the places that I have. And I was able to kind of just let all that go and be in that present moment. And I think that's probably going to be the biggest silver lining is learning to be present in our lives and stop that awful horrible, scary place that haunts us of tomorrow, next week. Will we have enough? You know, like I said, we tend to come from the place of lack and, you know, guess what? We have enough. We're okay. And I think that we can be more 
mindful and intentional with how we move forward in life after this and not have to just be reacting all the time. We can really take the time to step back and respond to things. Responding is coming from a place of knowledge and a place of confidence and reaction is coming simply from a place of fear and emotion. And, you know, reactions are there to keep us alive, but responses are there to help us thrive. So I think that that probably is going to be our biggest gift is time and understanding we don't have to be on the hamster wheel. We've gotten off. We got kicked off. So now it's going to be a choice to get back on. Maybe we do a six month or one year post pandemic parenting. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. see where everybody is. And yeah, I'd love that. Well, thank you for your time. We want to end this by one, you know, any thoughts you want to add, you've given us so much to think about. And two, where can people find you and reach out and use you as a resource? To find me on social media, at Facebook, you can find me under my name, Angie Shockley. That's a good way to get in touch with me. My email is shockleyangie at gmail.com. And that's another way to get in touch with me directly. I have a website that is qa-associates.com. And that is the website for one of my businesses where I work with young adults in transitional living. I also have several colleagues in our industry who are doing incredible things. And I believe we're going to be able to include links to their services and resources in the notes of this show, which I'm excited about. But Harris Kramer in New York, they do an incredible job of providing resources for parents. I really like working with them and they do a great job. Vanya Matthews Consulting, Lily Consulting. There are so many people in this world who are providing incredible resources for parents online. And I think that's important. You know, reach out to me. I can be helpful in lots of different ways and I'm happy to talk to anyone, would love to. But I also have connections to lots of other resources from education to emotional support to mental health support to finding help for kids who maybe need to leave the home because this is just not working and they are not safe. So I can be that connector. So yes, if you have questions or you want more information about anything I've talked about, I'm happy to be a resource for anyone. Awesome. Thank you, Danny and Angie, for your time. Yeah, thanks, Thank you. Thanks, Angie. Thank you, Danny. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.